0: Midtown Detroit studios of WDET.
1: This is Detroit Today.
2: So many things in our lives here in Southeast Michigan are shaped by the power companies that provide us electricity and gas and water, but how we interact with those companies and what we get from them what those commodities cost us, these are things that always seem fraught with tension and sometimes anger here in Southeast Michigan. Today, we're going to talk about recent decisions about DTE, our local power company, and how they will both affect our pocketbooks and our lives. That's an next on Detroit Today, right after the news from NPR. today on 101.9 WDET. I'm your host Stephen Henderson and as always I'm really glad that you've tuned, tuned in. So it's a really great day for the conversation that we're about to have when you look outside and see the snow on the ground when you think of what the temperature is. One of the things that attends all of those happenings around here of course is Increased energy use. I don't think my furnace stopped running all weekend. And I don't expect that it's going to stop running anytime soon. And that means that, of course, uh, I will be paying more than I normally do for energy. We talk a lot around here about energy. Who makes it? Who generates it? Who distributes it? How we get it? How we pay for it? And what happens when we can't pay for it? The big utility companies in our state are not publicly owned. They are investor-owned companies, and often they're more beholden to their shareholders than it seems they are to their customers. Think about the problems we have with investment in the grid. Think about the solar caps that exist in this state, preventing people from putting solar panels on their roofs in the way that they might want to because it draws money away from the utilities. And of course, think about the shutoffs, the frequent shutoffs that happen when people can't pay for energy and the difference between what happens here in Michigan with things like shutoffs and what happens in nearby states. But, of course, that's not the whole story. DTE and Consumers, the two big power companies in this state, are actually regulated by the state, and that means they're held at least a little accountable to the public, to their consumers. The Michigan Public Service Commission allows these companies to act in particular ways and guides their relationship with those of us who need power. They are really point of power in this relationship. And recently, they did something really important. DTE had asked for an additional $388 million, an increase of 8.8% for households. Uh, They wanted to use this money, they said, to maintain the energy grid. But they didn't get all of what they asked for. They were allowed a rate increase of less than 1%. Because the Michigan Public Service Commission says that's what they deserve. That was decided on Friday. Now, that is the smallest increase approved for DTE in an electric rate case in at least a decade. The commission also directed DTE to provide it with more details about the impact of its low-income assistance program. That is a program that is aimed at making sure people don't lose power, especially at times like these when... The really cold weather is absolutely dangerous if you don't have heat, for instance. A little later in the hour, we're going to talk with the author of a book that is about some of the similarities that DTE shares with an investor-owned utility company in California. We're going to talk about uh, other states and what goes on in other states and what we could learn from those states and their practices. But before we get there we want to talk about DTE. Why did the State Utility Commission recently limit the rate hike that DTE had asked for on its customers? Will our Utility Commission be more responsive to customers now that a Democratic majority controls the legislature? And why was it responsive to customers' needs more than the utilities' stated needs on Friday? What was driving this decision? To talk about all this, we've got Tom Perkins with us. He's a freelance reporter for a variety of outlets, and he's written a lot about DTE and the ways Michigan's largest corporate utilities have often made life more difficult for customers. Tom, welcome back
0: to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. Thanks for having me.
2: Yeah. And before we get started, I just want to make a quick note WDTE, WDET is sponsored uh,
0: by DTE,
2: and in a comment to the show, Uh, DTE says that it is focused on, quote, improving reliability and maintaining affordability for its customers. Just got to get that out of the way. Uh, So, Tom, um, let's talk about this decision by the Public Service Commission. Uh, A 0.78% rate hike for DTE customers. Uh, That's... uh, a fraction of what they had asked for which was almost a nine percent rate hike right uh that's not something we're used to seeing out of this commission um what was what, what was driving this decision now of course uh i gotta say up front i think dte's performance during uh the the summer storm that we had this year, I think, uh, brought into focus a lot of the issues that people have with the power company, a lot of the issues that the power company has with its own energy grid. And, of course, this request for an increase uh, came not, not long after that. Uh, it's pretty right. bad timing. That, that for me, seems like a likely culprit, but but tell us if there's more at play here than that.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I think this is the, the result of a... a confluence of forces, a couple of things that are really going on. And, and one of them is customer frustration. People are, uh, there's a lot more public outcry, a lot more uh, um, public anger directed at the company over the, the long outages that we're experiencing, not there, that we've been experiencing, not just this past summer, but the, the couple summers before that. Um, the, you know, the, 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 rates have been going up for, for years. Uh, I think between there's a succession of years, there, I think between 16 and 20, where, uh, rates went up higher and faster at DTE than any utility in the country, except Florida light and power. And, and people are mad. The rates are going up. The service is still poor. There are a ton of shutoffs. So, uh, I think that really factored into it. The other thing that's happened over the last um, ten years or so is is uh, uh, the sort of core of, of consumer advocacy groups have have given uh, a voice to, to residential customers in these rate cases that that didn't really exist before. Um, you know, this is groups like Sierra Club and NRDC plus um, you know there's these new groups that have popped up specifically. To, to do regulatory battle with with DTE and consumers because you know you have uh, like young activists who are, who are really frustrated and the Michigan uh, Environmental Justice Coalition and Solidarity and, and there's just uh, a lot of pressure from from these groups. They know what they're doing. They know how to to engage DTE and the Michigan Public Services Commission. And there's just a voice for residential customers that that didn't exist uh, you know, even a decade ago. Hmm. Um, another thing that's happened is the, uh, there's been an ideological shift at the, the commission. Uh, the, the governor appoints the, the people who sort of call the shots and make the decisions. Uh, it was Rick Snyder's appointees until a few years ago, and now you have all Whitmer appointees who are a little bit more sympathetic to residential customers and maybe um, a little bit more um, a little bit more willing to, to hold big business and, and DTE accountable. Um, and then I think the final thing is, is you just can't really argue with the numbers. Uh, you know, the the rates have gone up a lot over the last five six years, and and a lot of DTE's performance metrics are still not looking good. Um, the, the, there are a ton of shutoffs. Uh, if, if you just take an objective look at federal data, at DTE's own own numbers, you know, and, and you're you're at the Michigan Public Service Commission. You, There's just no arguing with it. They're they're not performing well. The 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 rates are high. So I think it's kind of all these things coming together at once. And then yeah, I was I was shocked to to see that that DTE finally got hit where it counts in the pocketbook. And there there have been a lot of people calling for that. And and it was uh, surprising to see it happen. But it might be a new day.
2: Yeah. So I want to back up just a little and give our listeners a, a little context about how all this works. Uh, you know, you hear people describe uh, the 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 relationship between the power companies and consumers in the state lots of different ways, uh, and there, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about what the relationship actually is and and what role this service commission is supposed to be playing. So, so let's mm-hmm. talk about how DTE and consumers operate in this state and, and what this service commission is supposed to do uh, to, to, to advocate, I guess, for right. uh, the, the people that they're serving.
0: Right. Uh, well, DT and consumers are uh, investor-owned utilities, meaning that they uh, raise a good chunk of their capital from uh, Wall Street investors, shareholders, and those shareholders get a return on their investment that's baked into uh, our rate. They're also what's called a regulated monopoly, uh, which means that we have to buy power from them if we're in their service territory. We don't have any alternatives um but in exchange they're supposed to be pretty heavily regulated by the state and the the agency that does that is the michigan public services commission um the service commission has a lot of power they can you know they can do things like tell dte that no they can't raise our rates by nine percent they can only do it by point seven eight percent so they they do have a good deal of power in that sense. When DTU and consumers want you know want to raise rates, they have to go and, and make their case and in, in front of the service commission. Uh, but the service commission is also limited by state laws. So you know there there are some things that it that it can't do that I think a lot of people would like to see happen, such as you know you mentioned at the top of the show the the cap on um, rooftop solar. You know there there that's a state law the the You know, the Public Services Commission can't say, okay all of a sudden, you know, we need to put solar panels on top of every roof and have um, people generating a bunch of power from home. Uh, So, you know, there's a limit to to what they can do, um, but they do have, you know, a a good deal of authority at at the same time. Uh, I would say that they're, you know, they're a little bit insulated from public frustration because the, the commissioners are appointed by the the governor so you know you had a lot of people don't really understand the relationship they don't really understand that um, and because it's complex you know that that if they're frustrated with DT energy or they're frustrated with consumers they should really be looking to the governor whether it's uh, Gretchen Whitmer or Rick Snyder or or whoever because it's ultimately their commissioners who should be holding the um, uh, power companies accountable and you know also legislators uh, um so the you know, there's a little bit of a degree of separation there or, or a little bit of a layer of separation that, that kinda insulates the MTSD from um uh what people are feeling on on the issue. And and you know, there could be more uh in other states people elect uh uh commissioners or, or board members who who oversee utilities, so it could be different, but that's the system that we have here. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I'm talking with Tom Perkins, a freelance reporter for a variety of outlets. He has uh, written a lot about our energy environment here in Michigan and particularly about DTE, our local provider, or one of our local providers here in Southeast Michigan, and the ways that uh, our utilities have often made life more difficult for. Uh, for their customers. Um, we're talking about the decision uh, by the Public Service Commission on Friday uh, to deny DTE the amount of increase that it wanted uh, uh, to, to rate. Um, a, a, surprising, a surprising decision, something that we, we really don't see uh, almost at all here in, in Michigan. We're talking about why that happened, but also about how it fits into the narrative about the relationship that we have to our power utilities want to hear from you during the conversation as well our listeners call and tell me what you make of uh, the desire of dte to raise rates and the public service commission's decision to raise them by less than one percent what do you make of what this says to dte about its level of service and the rates that uh, it's already charging? Do you think it's reasonable uh, that the company uh, was even asking for an increase in rates at this time? Uh, If not, tell me what you think they ought to be doing to raise the money to improve the grid, right? Uh, We were reminded again just a few months ago of how fragile the electric and and gas grid is here in in Michigan. When we had a pretty powerful storm, but that it the the damage from it was uh, almost catastrophic. Uh, and in similar communities uh, in other places where you have a different system, uh, the damage wasn't quite as bad. Uh, I, I remember talking to someone about the difference between how much power we lost here in Detroit on our side of the river because of that storm and how little of that uh, actually happened just across the river in Windsor. Um, They had hundreds of people without service. We had hundreds of thousands. Uh, Why is that? Uh, What do we do? to make sure that uh, our grid is in better shape. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we can work you into the conversation. Uh, that way, Tom, before we get to uh, our, our listeners, uh, I want to talk mm-hmm. about what DTE is doing. Uh, they say they are upgrading the system and creating more reliability and adapting to a changing climate. Uh, we've had them mm-hmm. on the show you know recently and 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 many times to talk about how much they're investing in in that grid. They say that's one of the reasons they need to charge as much as they do. Uh, is right. that, these are expensive fixes, um, but but talk about the relationship between those two things. Do they need, uh, for instance, the money that they were asking for uh, from the Public Service Commission in order to make these these upgrades? Um, and now that we've uh, now that the Public Service Commission has said no, uh, does that mean that we will continue to live with? You know the grid that we have and the slow pace of improvement that uh, that they've been on for a while
0: right yeah and they they are doing a lot of things to to upgrade and strengthen the grid um they're uh, trimming trees that that uh you know are knocking wires and poles down during storms they're um, uh, replacing aging uh, infrastructure and equipment but the question is is you know, DTE says, okay, we need to raise rates because we need to to do all these things, but I think the, the thing that you're hearing is, well who's whose mess is this and who should pay for it? Uh DTE is obviously arguing that, that customers need to pay for it. Um but our rates have been going up, you know, for <laughs> uh, for eons and and DTE hasn't been keeping up with the tree trimming. It hasn't been replacing its equipment and infrastructure at the rate that it needs to to avoid the situation that we're in. Um, I talked with a former uh, uh, MPSC commissioner, uh, somebody who was there uh, uh, 10, 15 years ago, and, and he talked about how at the time DTE was uh, trimming its trees every nine years when the industry standard was every four to five years. And they were trimming their, their trees a few feet back from the lines when, when a lot of other utilities around the country were, you know, um, uh, cutting a lot further back and getting rid of any, any branch that would, would threaten a line. And these were all cost saving, uh, decisions that, that they made. It, it's expensive to, to trim trees, mm-hmm. and that doesn't get a return for their investors, for their shareholders. So they didn't want to do this stuff. So now we have a backlog of, of, of tree trimming and a bunch of old equipment and not the most up-to-date technology installed in the grid, you know, sensors that can pick up where there's a, a, an issue and quickly identify it um, these kinds of things, and and so the question is 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 who should pay for this? You know who should pay? the, the DTE created this mess. Who should pay for it? I, you know, and, <laughs> I don't know. You you decide. Sure. Um, should it be customers or should it be DTE's investors? DTE shareholders? Should they take the financial hit? That's kind of a radical idea in the utility industry, but you know that just kind of shows how detached the the utility industry is from reality because. It's a very common sense thing. Customers didn't mismanage the grid and and create this mess, so why should they pay for it? Yeah. Um, and that's that's uh, uh, an idea that's that's been pushed a lot more by these consumer advocacy groups, and that it seems maybe the service commission is is starting to agree with them. Yeah.
2: Yeah, okay. We're going to take a quick break, and we come back. We're going to continue this conversation about uh, our power utilities and the environment uh, that uh, we exist in uh, here in Southeast Michigan, especially uh, with the power companies. Uh, we're going to want to get to the phones for sure. They are full of people who want to talk about this. Uh, John in Madison Heights, Lucy in Detroit, Robin in Macomb County, Rick in Rochester. To be up first, if you want to join them, three one three five seven. Seven one zero one nine is the number. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll include you in the conversation that way. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today.
0: Bringing you news that matters.
2: Stories that impact your life
3: music from the Motor City and around the world. This is
4: 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station.
2: This is Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, Thanks for tuning in. Our guest right now is Tom Perkins. He's a freelance reporter for a variety of outlets, including the Metro Times and Slate and The Guardian. He's written a lot about DTE and the ways that Michigan's corporate utilities have uh, often made life more difficult for customers. Uh, We're talking about uh, DTE, the recent decision by the Michigan Public Service Commission to deny them the rate increase that they asked for, what that means, what that means in terms of the position of the MPSC and its advocacy for consumers, but also what it means in practical terms. Uh, we do need DTE to invest more in the grid uh, and in, in making sure that low-income customers don't get cut off when they can't afford their bills. Does denying them this rate increase affect those things in negative ways? Uh, as always, we want to hear from you on the phones. 313 1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313 1019 You can also go to Twitter and hashtag us, and we can try to include you in the conversation that way. Also a note, we have reached out to DTE to join this conversation, uh, I- at least in part. Um, they are not going to be able to make it for today's show. They say they're still going over the order. We did get a brief statement from them uh, that I read at the top of the show about them focusing on improving reliability and maintaining affordability. We will ask them more about that, of course, when they are able to Uh, to join us live on the air. Let's go to the phones here uh, and start with John in Madison Heights. John, welcome to the show.
4: Thank you very much, Stephen, for having me on your program. I, first of all, want to commend Tom Perkins and Planet Detroit for doing exceptional reporting on DTE. But I just wanted to bring up uh, another important part of this case that hasn't gotten much attention that DTE submitted in their proposal new fees to make it much more expensive for homeowners and small business to be able to install a solar system on their roof. It was a thinly veiled attempt by DTE to continue their monopoly practices by undercutting the economics of installing a solar system. Mm -hmm. But the Public Service Commission saw through this and completely rejected, you know, what DTE was trying to do. And in fact, they ordered DTE to file a new case within three months to come up with a rate for how much people, solar owners, will receive for exporting extra electricity back to the grid after the 1% distributive generation program is all filled up. So we are completely happy with what the Public Service Commission did, and this just maintains the rights of individuals and small businesses to be able to invest in solar energy if they want if to. If they
2: can, yeah. Uh, John, I'm really glad you called and made, made that point. Um, uh, Tom, talk a little more about the relationship between uh, the power companies and individuals when it comes to this idea of, of solar energy. The power companies are not fans of it, uh, and they've gotten some limits. Uh, enforced, but, but as, as John points out here, uh, the extension of those limits was, was rebuffed by the MPSC.
0: Right, yeah, and I'm, I'm not totally familiar with um, what he's talking about, but it's, it's certainly in line with the, the larger pattern of uh, DTE and consumers trying to uh, kneecap rooftop solar and um, uh, other home generation distributed energy sources and it's you know, it's because DTE makes a lot of money uh, generating power, and they want to be the ones who generate it. Uh, they, they don't want uh, a bunch of customers generating power on their their rooftops and sending it into the grid and having to pay the, the customers for that. It, it does not work for them financially. Um, and the other thing is, is the DTE, one of its subsidiaries, has invested pretty heavily in gas infrastructure uh, in in recent years. So they want to be able to deliver uh, gas as long as possible, run gas plants uh, because it, it benefits them in that way. So they're going to fight tooth and nail against any any sort of. Um, uh, rooftop solar, anything along those lines, where people are generating power at home and sending it into the grid, it, it's a it's a threat to their bottom line, and so you're going to see things like that in their rate cases. And um, you know, there's there's state law limits the amount of of uh, distributed energy that can be sent into the grid. The the formula for how much people are are paid for the money or for the the power that they send into the grid has been. Um, uh, changed by DT and its allies in the in the legislature. So yeah, it's just it's part of a larger pattern, and, and it's it's DT acting in its economic interest. Yeah,
2: sure, uh, John. Again, thanks very much for the call and the info. Let's go next to Robin from Macomb County. Robin, welcome to the show.
1: Yes, um, yes. Um, good morning, um, Grand and Steve, and uh, to your uh, guest, Can you hear me? I, I sure can okay, yes, um first of all, I wanted to say um, um to your um to your guests, um you know, um the money that was given to um each one of these mayors um I'm speaking of uh, um duggan, okay, the eight hundred some million um the funding um can he use um part' of, um his voice or um, his opinion to go on the behalf of the low income people um in our in our community and city? to come to the table and, uh, bargain about this rate increase, uh, you know, low income, um, special I'm just going to say it like it is black low income people. Um, we're already catching, um, you know, uh, on the downfall, if I may, but mm-hmm. is there any room, um, to your, um, to your guests, is there any room where these mayors can come to the bargain table at, at, um, DTE and, uh, negotiate, um, something about
2: um, low-income people where sure. well, they won't be part of that um, rate increase. Yeah. Uh, Robin, I, I really appreciate that you called and raised that, that point. First of all, I mean, there is a lot of money floating around right now from Washington, not just at the local level but also at the state level. Uh, it's a great question about uh, whether any of that mo- money can be leveraged to, to help with uh, utility access, um, but but as you point out, as as well, um, you know, we need the the political leadership in in the state, both at the local and state level, to be more advocates uh, for uh, low income consumers. Uh, Tom, what's the answer specifically about federal funding? But then also talk about uh, the advocacy that we see or maybe don't see from local officials.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's there's not. Too much in the way of negotiating that um, uh, somebody like Duggan could could do with DTE because the 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 process is is done through the state at the Public Service Commission. Um, but I I think that you know some people feel Duggan could be out there being a little bit more of an advocate and and speaking out against shutoffs. But you know he's seen as a very Pro-business uh, uh, leader, and and that's sort of how he operates. Um, uh, as far as the the money goes, I mean, gosh, yeah, I never thought about that. <laughs> they they I don't see why they couldn't set up some kind of um, assistance program for uh, for residents for low-income residents. Uh, they be in the city of Detroit. Um, but you know, again, that might be a little bit more complicated just because of how DT is regulated through the state. Um, it might be a little bit more complicated than, than it seems yeah. on its face.
2: And and the truth is that a lot of the money that we've gotten, uh, the ARPA funds in particular, some of them are very targeted, um, and it's not just a blank check from from Washington to right. do with right. with with it what we might please. But uh, but I, you know, I, I guess I would encourage the the idea that. Um, you know, maybe some creativity in the way that we can use those funds might be lent to the idea of trying to deal with the affordability questions uh, that, that uh, again, this time of year, really start to worry you about people going without um, as the temperature drops and, and stays low. Um, again, mm-hmm. Robin, really appreciate the call uh, and, and the comments. Let's go next to uh, Lucy in Detroit. Lucy, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thanks for having me on. Uh-huh. Um, I'm calling because uh, I, my partner works for um, another large utility in the state, um, which is a uh, transmission company. Okay. And they work really closely with DTE because DTE buys space on their lines, essentially to move their power around. Mm-hmm. Um, and his point about them, he has a lot of frustrations. Um, is that they are actually engaging in quite a bit of greenwashing, where they're building tons of wind and solar, which on the face is like, great, that's what we want and need, right? Except that in Michigan and we
2: well, Lucy, we've, we're hearing your child, but we're not hearing you anymore. Lucy, call us back. Uh, you were about to make a great point, I think, uh, and I think we've lost uh, lost the connection. Um, but but thanks, and and again, uh, call us back. But but Tom, th- th- this idea of of them building wind and solar, I think that the point that Lucy was building up to, and I, if she calls back, we'll put her on. Um, is is that 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 confounds some of the other kinds of Green development that that could take place that that they're sort of keeping it in house and not allowing the market, I guess, to, to 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 shape how that works.
0: Right. Yeah. And and again, it goes back to the the point that I made before, where DTE wants to own the the sorts of power generation. So they are building these uh, large um, solar and wind developments and and generating a good deal of of power out of them, but. Um, but yeah what what I think the uh, what I think the grid needs right now and what a lot of people think the grid needs in the direction that it's going is these and th- to make it more resilient is is to have these sort of um <clears throat> the rooftop solar distributed energy where where you have many sources of generation, so when the power goes out you know if a, uh if a transmission line or or a power plant gets knocked offline then you're going to lose power to to there's tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, but if a storm blows through and knocks out a few solar panels on top of somebody's house, then, you know, how many people lose power? Not many. So it's, it really creates a more resilient uh, uh, grid when you have uh, people uh, owning the, uh, the, the sources of, of power generation instead of uh, this big centralized thing that the, that the power company uh, owns whether it be a gas plant or uh, wind or solar.
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue talking about DTE and energy here in Michigan. We're going to add another voice to the conversation as well. Catherine Blunt is a Wall Street Journal reporter and author of California Burning, the Fall of Pacific Gas and Electric, and what it means for America's power grid. She's going to tell us about what goes on in another state with a kind of similar system to what we have in Michigan. Also want to continue to hear from you on the phones and on Twitter. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we can make you part of the conversation that way. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Detroit Today On 101.9 WDET, I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We're talking about DTE and energy here in Michigan after Friday's decision by the Michigan Public Service Commission to really slice into the rate increase that DTE had requested. They had asked for almost 9%, which they said was necessary to continue improving the grid, reinvest in the infrastructure here, uh, the Public Service Commission says that they will get a 0.78% increase, uh, much less than what they requested, and an outlier in terms of the decision-making of the MPSC. We don't almost ever see them cut the rate increases quite that much. Uh, we've got Tom Perkins with us. He's a freelance reporter for a variety of outlets, including The Metro Times and Slate and, and The Guardian. I want to introduce another voice to the conversation as well. Catherine Blunt is a reporter for The Wall Street Journal, and she's the author of California Burning, The Fall of Pacific Gas and Electric, and What It Means for America's Power Grid. Catherine, welcome to Detroit Today.
5: Thanks for having me.
2: So let's talk about PG&E. Most folks here in Detroit wouldn't know much about uh, what that is. How did that uh, come together and what does it say about the way that utilities that exist in environments like these that are that are uh, you know called regulated monopolies? How did we end up in spaces like that uh, in places like California and Michigan?
5: Sure. So, um, PG&E is California's largest utility. It serves some 15 million people. Its service territory covers 70,000 square miles. And like many utilities, it it grew as a result of um, sort of the roll-up of a lot of small power companies that cropped up at the turn of the 20th century to serve different areas of the country. Um, in particular, PG&E uh, is the sort of the sum total of a number of little companies that were trying to harness the vast hydro resources in the Sierra and Nevada. Mountains, and so, you know, as a as a result of that, um, there was I mean, kind of two two large utility companies at the turn of the the twentieth century, and they merged in nineteen thirty to create this big um, Northern California monopoly that we know today. So, of course, um, it's there's there's a lot to dig into there. Um, I mean, one of the the key things I think we may be discussing today, of course, is that. In California and elsewhere, the, the power grid is getting older. And it, as a result, requires certain maintenance and investments that utilities everywhere are grappling with how to, how to best uh, accomplish.
2: Yeah. And like here in Michigan, PGE in California is regulated by the California Public Utility Commission. Uh, and yet uh, in your book, you detail how that model has failed consumers. Uh, uh, talk about how that's happened and and why
5: well there's i mean there's there's a yes all of these companies so if we're talking about any sort of monopoly um in particular you know a provider of a critical service like electricity um the idea is that uh these are capital intensive businesses um it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to build competing or duplicative infrastructure therefore these companies uh, should be granted monopoly status, but in exchange, they have to submit to to regulation. Um, and it, but it, it's challenging. You know, it has become increasingly challenging over the years for a lot of different regulatory bodies to have, uh, you know, really close oversight of these companies. Um, I mean, in in a real simple terms, it's because they're they're large, their operations are complex, and in many cases the um the oversight bodies maybe are under-resourced or they're understaffed and um their task is not just to oversee in many cases one utility but several different utilities so in P- in the case of pg e which i can you know, speak most closely to uh the regulator had a lot of different roles to play hand hats to wear over the years and sort of safety fell by the wayside most simply put and not because people didn't recognize it as being really important they did but the 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 regulators i mean they they didn't have the the manpower and the money to really be able to dig into some of the safety issues that that would become really front and center for pg&e as is you know the climate change and its service territory became more prone to wildfires i mean it should be said that this we're talking about this company because its power lines have ignited several i mean nearly 20 major and destructive and very deadly fires over the last five years or so yeah
2: yeah Uh, i want to take a quick call that uh, is really relevant to this discussion about uh, pge Uh, rick in rochester
4: go ahead yes um i grew up in detroit and uh, moved out to california lived there for 20 years and very familiar with pg and e i lived in Marin county north of san francisco and for years, uh, we tried to organize uh, clean energy initiatives. Uh, we were fought tooth and nail uh, for uh, those initiatives. And finally, we got Marin Clean Energy off the ground, and it operates very well now uh, in spite of what PG&E tried to do uh, to stop it. I think uh, Detroit is in the Detroit metro area is really um, not serviced well by DT&E. And I think it's time for people, uh, like they're doing in Ann Arbor, to consider local uh, public utility initiatives. Um, I I know with PG&E, the big problem was, even though they said that they would service all the transmission lines, they really didn't do a good job of that, which caused a lot of wildfire damage.
2: Yeah, uh, Rick, it's a re- it's a really great uh, point, and I love that you have the perspective from from uh, both places. Uh, so, so thanks very much for the for the call, Catherine. Uh, respond quickly to what uh, what Rick's talking about here.
5: Sure. So I, I, I think he's uh, referring to uh, what's known as community choice aggregation, which is basically um, small entities uh, that can purchase power on behalf of a number of residents. And the idea was that these entities could purchase more renewable energy more quickly than some of the large utility companies. There's a lot of CCAs throughout California now. Um, It's interesting that you were on the front lines of that. I know it was a big fight back in 2008, 2009, 2010. Uh, But one of the challenges, though, that that we're kind of talking about is that these CCAs are able to purchase power. You know, they're able to contract for clean energy uh, resources, which is like, it's obviously very important. They play uh, critical roles to play, and all of that. But the challenge is maintaining, you know, the distribution and the transmission that is necessary to transmit that power. And that 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 is still largely left to the utilities, and that's that's a, a challenge that they all continue to confront.
2: Yeah, uh, talk about the change, and I'll tentatively use. This word reform uh, that I guess is coming to, to to California, and I'm not sure if you would use that word to describe that. But uh, but there is there are some differences now, I guess, uh, out there in terms of how all this works. Can you explain those to our listeners?
5: Sure. Well, um, there's well, I mean, I, there's a lot of change coming in the sense that California has a you know, very ambitious. Uh, clean energy goals broadly, I mean, we're going to be adding a lot more electric vehicles to the grid, Mm -hmm. uh, the push to uh, electrify homes and buildings and phase out natural gas thats ramping up. So all that means that there's going to be more, more strain on a power grid that already has a lot of challenges. And so in terms of how the grid is maintained and how the utilities are making investments, there is stronger regulatory oversight at this point in light of the many, many issues over the last few years, but it's still a challenge. And one big, big challenge that PG&E in particular has to confront, as well as the other utilities in California, is that that rates in, in throughout the the state are very high relative to the rest of the country. They're some of the highest rates. Um, people pay pay some of the most money for electricity in as you know compared to other states in the country. So there's huge investments that need to be made in the grid in terms of wildfire safety, in terms of preparing for this you know greater. Uh, electrification of everything and doing so without driving you know rates to unsustainable levels is a is a tough needle for all of the companies to thread.
2: Yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. Uh, let's go to Kathy in Heartland. Kathy, welcome to the show.
3: Hi, thank you. I worked for a solar panel design and installation firm hmm. from 2016 to 2019, part of my job was to fill out the interconnection applications with DTE and consumers. I can verify totally that they had done everything they could in those three years I was there that I saw like horrible, horrible changes going on. When I first started, they were sent. DTE would send checks to people for their excess energy production. So they went from sending people checks to the very last thing they did, they kept cutting the rate of reimbursement for your excess generation. The last one that got approved after I left was customers with solar were treated as consumers, like they were charged consumer rates Hmm. for the energy they bought. Then DTE would say, well, no, you're an energy wholesaler, so we're only going to reimburse you at this very low wholesale energy rate like if you were like a like a power plant selling them you know extra energy right so that basically meant that people you know you were you were basically getting no reimbursement for your excess generation so what people started doing the man earlier if you do not have a backup battery system your power will shut off your solar power will shut off during a power outage because you can't be sending power back on the lines when people are going to be working on them. So everybody started buying smaller systems and backup battery systems. So we lost the ability for the excess generation to benefit the community as a whole. And each individual house is, is protecting itself. Yeah. So that is not a
2: social good. That's a really fascinating kind of dynamic to to yes. emerge out of this, Kathy. And it's one of the things that you would only see, I think, if you were involved at the level that you were. So, so Tom Perkins, I think the question is is back to the role of the MPSC, right? And and mm-hmm. what they can and can't do to try to sort out the relationship between you know people who want to generate their own power with solar panels on their roofs and and these these big utilities who who are spending you know billions of dollars generating and distributing uh electricity what's what's possible
0: um <clears throat> excuse me uh well i mean I, I some of this needs to you know there needs to be a legislative uh uh resolution to some of these issues and um dte has i think they've given money to like 90, 95% of, uh, current legislators. They're a
2: big funder of the legislator.
0: Yeah, yeah. So some of these things like the, the cap on rooftop solar, that's, that's gotta change at the legislative level and there really hasn't been much hope of that. Um, and, and the NPSC is limited in that, that regard. Um, you know, there is the, there is the, the nuclear option and, and there's a big push for this in Ann Arbor right now of, of, uh, you know municipalities can can basically buy the local grid and and run it themselves um uh it's a expensive difficult process but uh th- th- that's possible um you know there are alternatives to this you you, you don't have to have the, the benefit of having investors, Wall Street investors, is you raise capital. But uh, you know, as you get to a, a grid that has that's more reliant on rooftop solar and distributed energy sources, you don't need these huge um, capital intensive projects. Mm-hmm. And and really, the whole model that we see uh, DTE consumers, uh, PG and E, it's it's slowly becoming obsolete. It's it's uh, it served uh, a different era. So, um. But to get back to your <laughs> kind of meandered a, a bit there, yeah, the, the MPSC is, is pretty limited in what it can do on on um, some of the issues that yeah. the, the limited
2: mentioned. B- limited by legislation, Le- legislation right. that does not exist or qu- can get passed.
0: Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: Catherine, I wonder if you can uh, talk about there in, in California, again, the role of the commission and whether that's the solution, beefing up that role, giving them more power, is that what California needs to do uh, to, to, to make things work better for consumers? We've only got about a minute left, but I do want to get your, your thoughts on that.
5: Yeah, no, I mean, I think that um, the the events of the last few years have really underscored the role that the regulator needs to play in, in making sure that the utilities are making the right sorts of investments in the system, um, and I, I think that's not just true in California. That's true everywhere. You know, we're beginning to see new strains on the grid, partially related to climate change, but we've also got many other questions to grapple with. The role of distributed energy, as uh, we were just discussing. I mean, there's, there's, um, I, I mean, there's just the number of callers we've had on the show today, right? I mean, people are thinking about energy in ways they've never had before, and, mm-hmm. and the, the role of the regulator cannot be overstated. It's always been important. It's only becoming more so. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. Uh, Tom Perkins and Catherine Blunt. It was great to have uh, both you and your great reporting uh, knowledge with us on the show today. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.
2: Okay. That is going to do it for us today. Tune in tomorrow when we're going to start a special series of shows where we're going to talk about Conservatism after the midterm elections. What is American conservatism? What's the state of American conservatism? How does it relate to the Republican Party and where is it headed? We're going to talk with David French of the conservative magazine The Dispatch about what Republicans want to do when they have the majority, what conservative values are, and what policies they hope to pass. It should be an interesting series of talks about uh, a really troubled ideology. In our republic. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.